Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Reflected. A ham radio operator's miscellany. This is episode number eight, Amateur 911. <sighs> well, I suppose today is, it's been a good day. You know, the past couple weeks have been pretty good. The, uh, the weather has drastically improved. It's been, uh, it's been nice. You know, it's been in the, the, uh, low to mid eighties with about uh, 90% humidity, 80, 90% humidity, something like that. So, uh, which is, uh, uncomfortable for North Dakota. I tend to like it because I'm originally from the South. So, uh, I don't, I don't mind the heat and humidity. Um, so for me, it's been fantastic. So I've been getting a lot of stuff done. Uh, outside so unfortunately not much of it uh, uh, ham radio related uh, a lot of uh, commercial stuff uh, going on a lot of uh, HVAC stuff um, you know a lot of turning wrenches so it's been fun that's for sure um, anyway uh, amateur 911 so this is something I've been uh, meaning to get around to talking about for a while. Um, this is, uh, <laughs> once again, going to, you know, come dangerously close to being negative, but we'll do our best to look on the bright side of things. Um, I don't know how it's going to go, but uh, anyway, let's just, uh, <laughs> let's just get after it then, shall we? So a couple months ago, uh, I was uh, sitting in the parking lot of our local Target, waiting for uh, waiting for the wife and the little ones. They were inside doing some shopping, so I was sitting out in the out in the vehicle and uh, uh, listening to some HF. And you know, at the same time, I had my VHF on, and uh, it just so happened there was a parade going on that day. Well, <coughs> the local ham club here. Uh, like to uh, assist with uh, communications with parades here locally um, <laughs> so you know that can be interesting in and itself I guess um, considering the fragility of our ham network around here um, it, uh, it can be interesting anyway um, and to you first responders out there, firefighters or police officers or um, even volunteer firefighters like myself, um, <laughs> you're going to, oh man, you're going to get a kick out of this. Um, so anyway, um, at some point during this, during this parade, uh, one of the bystanders uh, uh, ends up having a seizure and collapses from said she uh, said uh, seizure um, very near to one of the amateur radio operators uh, one of their checkpoint stations um, so the amateur radio operator instead of just calling 911 uh, radios back to um, uh, base command if you will um, and relays that someone's gone down because of an apparent seizure. Uh, meanwhile, they're taking the time to make sure they identify correctly and, and uh, you know, check in with their checkpoint number and, 
and uh, things like that. So this communication took, you know, minutes. Um, and at the end of it, um, the, uh, what do you want to call them? We'll call them the amateur 911 dispatcher <laughs> base command. Um, tells the amateur radio operator out at the checkpoint next to where this person has had the seizure uh, to call 911. So, um, like I said, minutes have transpired. This poor individual is having a seizure. Um, fortunately, I believe other bystanders have had uh, at that time already called 911. Um, so that's fortunate. And I do believe that the, the person survived. Um, so uh, that's good. So there's a, you know, if there's a silver lining out of this, it's, it's that the person survived. Uh, there was no, there was no fatalities, but I remember the, uh, the conversation, uh, or how the, uh, the amateur radio operator at the checkpoint worded it. He, I, he said something along the lines of, uh, yeah, we've had a casualty here. One of the bystanders seems to have collapsed uh, from what appears to be a seizure. And then insert call sign and checkpoint location, whatever. So, I don't know. Like I said, that, that communication went on for minutes, and which is unfortunate, you know. Um, had, you know, someone else not already call, called 911, that person very well might have not survived that. <coughs> Oh, excuse me. So, and this isn't the first time I've heard of something like this happening. Um, you know, especially up here. Well, in the, the, the Plains area, you know, there's uh, a thing called Skywarn, um, where amateur radio operators uh, go out into the field during severe weather to, you know, uh, relay to local National Weather Service offices of ground truth. Um, uh, you know, what are the conditions like on the ground in a particular area? Um, and in this particular location, it's, uh, it's pretty poorly executed. Uh, if, you know, if we're honest, um, the repeaters have poor coverage. Some aren't even on the air anymore. There's no, um, you know, what I would consider like a NOTAM, you know, there, there's no, uh, communication to hams that these repeaters are offline. Uh, you know, it, it's really unfortunate. Um, but you hear a lot in amateur radio that uh, it's a service, you know. Um, it's here during situations of crisis when all else fails, amateur radio works. Well, the radio itself might work, but if you don't have good operators behind it, uh, it's not going to do you any good. And in some cases, the radio doesn't work you know, in the case of some of these repeaters, but, um, uh, I fully acknowledge that a lot of good has been done, uh, with amateur radio, uh, you know, in earthquake zones and natural disasters and, uh, things like that over HF, you know, to some, uh, some third world countries, uh, there has, they've, they've done, they've done a lot of good, but in densely populated areas, um, most anywhere in the U S really, um, or, you know, other, you know, first world countries, uh, it's just not so relevant anymore as far as that goes, as far as uh, emergency services. Um, like I said, I'm, I do a lot of work in the commercial radio public safety space. Um, these systems are extremely robust. Um, 
they they just don't they just don't go down um so you know and a lot of people say well you know if the cell network goes down yeah um there again um when it comes to public safety yeah the cell network may go down for you know the average person you know trying to make a call because the, the bandwidth gets pretty uh, pretty used up pretty quick everybody trying to call everybody else make sure everyone's okay but um you know uh major cell carries have allocated first responder f- channels uh for cell coverage uh that are number one priority in uh emergency situations so it's not like you know even if the average user can't get into the cell network, cell network it doesn't necessarily mean it's down and there are occasions where cell networks have gone totally down uh but like i said the public safety radio equipment uh that uh, just i mean it just almost it never almost never goes down um and that keeps our actual first responders um in communication with each other and in commu- communication with dispatch and across departments and and uh, disciplines and and uh that kind of thing so the idea that amateur radio is going to come to the rescue uh in these first world countries is i don't know uh it used to be that way but not so much anymore technology has advanced past uh that so um so in the case of you know this parade and this uh this uh, amateur radio operator and this poor unfortunate soul who had this seizure uh, what should have happened was uh, as soon as the operator discovered that this person was having a seizure uh, it should have immediately called 911 um you know there wasn't a natural uh, natural disaster going on at the time um, the cell network was perfectly functional. Um, the response time is going to be extremely shorter, you know, a, um, a huge amount shorter to just call 911 yourself versus having to relay through, um, you know, one or two different amateur radio operators. And then they have to call 911, et cetera, et cetera. Or they got to tell you to call 911, which you'd have, you should have known to do uh, right away. So if you are ever in that situation... Um, you're assisting with communications at a parade or whatever, whatever the case may be. When an emergency arises, don't waste your time with the radio. Just pull out your cell phone and call 911, okay? Um, I know we all like to think that uh, that uh, the radio is the fastest route. It just isn't in most most cases. It just isn't. Um with the exception of, you know, public safety communications where it is the fastest route because you're talking directly to uh, the dispatch center or the PSAP. So, um, you know, what do we do? <laughs> what do we do about it? Well, nothing really except just kind of move on. Uh, you know, that was a fun chapter in amateur radio's past where, uh, you know, we would assist with that kind of stuff. But like I said, technology's moved on. So... Um, we can put a check mark on that section and uh, see what else uh, amateur radio has to offer. So, um, and like I said earlier, it's not like that uh, amateur radio can't be useful in an emergency. It certainly can be, um, but not in populated areas anyway. We'll say that. Um, there's also a lot to be said about the, uh, you know, Oh, God, man, we could do an entire episode just on this, but I'll, I'll uh, here's the, the Cliff Notes version of 
professionalism during a Skyworn event. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I'm going to try and keep my blood pressure low during this because this is a real sensitive subject for me. Professionalism during Skyworn. When a Skyworn net goes active, and usually uh, a Skyworn net will go active due to um, either a requested activation from National Weather Service via the code red system or voluntary activation from whoever's been appointed to make that call in you know, the local amateur radio uh, uh, Skyworn section, um, you know, typically a, sex, a section manager or something like that. So um, once the net goes active, okay, so hold on, let's, let's take a step back. Before the net goes active, you've got your normal you know, two meter traffic, you know, people are talking to each other, carrying on, et cetera, et cetera. They might already be discussing the, the weather at that point. You know, the conversation is cool and relaxed and, you know, um, people are having more of the rag chew type stuff. But as soon as that net goes active, as soon as the net control says, you know, whatever call sign of the con net control station is, uh, Skywarn activation, um, has commenced or whatever your, your trigger phrase is, all the non-essential traffic and chatter stops, okay? Um, the only time you should be talking is either if you have been called and uh, have been directly asked a question or if, if you have actual emergency traffic to pass. Those are the only two times you should be talking. Um, ideally, what should happen is once the net goes active, net control, uh, typically at the National Weather Service office, uh, is going to take a roll call. Okay. Um, they're going to see who, what spotters they have in the field and where are they at. Um, again, this is a bit of a sensitive subject for me because I tried in the past to get things modernized a bit where, you know, we were tying in Google Maps and APRS and, and uh, these things like that to aid the net control operator in knowing where all these assets were uh, in the field. But that's a, that's a totally different we could do a whole episode on that so anyway uh net control takes roll call finds out what assets he has out in the field um if he feels he needs to redistribute them somewhere he may request you to move to a different area um uh, it's important to understand that uh, barring uh immediate threat to you um or somewhere immediately in your area, the word of the, the net control operator is you should obey it as if it were the word of God. Okay. He's running the net. Um, he is in charge of what happens uh, during that uh, Skyworn activation. Okay. So do exactly what he or she says, um, unless, like I said, it uh, involves immediate uh, threat to you. Um, you know, if you're in an area and ridiculously sized hail or straight line winds or a tornado or whatever is coming towards you and you get instructions to head in some other area to some other area that takes you too close to the, whatever this event is um you know you <laughs> you have a duty to your own safety is what i'm saying okay along with that you should not be taking unnecessary risks and if you have a good net control operator who knows where all his people are and everyone he's dealing with stick to these locations that he tells them to, he's going to keep you pretty safe. All right. Um, so, 
uh, remember, he's at the National Weather Service office. He's surrounded by extremely intelligent meteorologists who have extremely sophisticated equipment to tell you, uh, you know, what the radar reflection and wind directions and speeds and stuff like that are aloft. Um, you're there to tell them what's going on at ground level. So um, they're kind of like your your lookouts, I guess. You know, they can see behind you and next to you and in front of you where you might ne- not necessarily be able to, to see, especially if you're in heavy rains or, you know, that kind of stuff. So, uh, like I said, and you should be keeping those lines of communication open between you uh, and net control. Um, so... And when you do uh, initiate a communication uh, and keep it brief and to the point, um, use your call sign, uh, location, um, relevant information, okay? Um, let's say I was gonna, I was on a Skywarn activation and uh, I'm, I'm encountering golf ball sized hail, okay? The radio transmission might sound something like this. And so the net control uh, um, station uh, in my area typically goes by N0GF or uh, November Zero Golf Foxtrot. So, since it's VHF, we typically don't use phonetics because it's VHF, right? Um, sometimes, if there's difficulty hearing, you may get requested to repeat in phonetics, typically not. Okay, so communication might sound something like this N0GF, this is N0ZFG, seven miles west. Reynolds County 25 encountering golf ball sized hail repeat golf ball sized hail N0 GF this is N0 ZFG how copy over and then uh, N0 GF we respond with N0 ZFG this is N0 GF we copy golf ball sized hail 7 miles west Reynolds how copy over and then I would reply with N0 GF this is N0 ZFG read back correct N0 ZFG out now that should be how theoretically it's done. Um, it doesn't always happen that way, but you got to keep it brief, right? Unfortunately, what you hear um, is a lot of, I don't know, rambling. Somebody will call in in zero GF. This is whoever. Yeah, it looks like there's, uh, I don't know, there's some dark clouds west of town. Um, I don't know. It looks pretty windy over there. There's a lot of lightning. Um, yeah, it just looks really dark over there. Um, I don't know. Should I go over there? And then you just, you're just tying up the airwaves. Don't do that. Um, they're well aware that the sky looks dark. Um, it's a thunderstorm, you know? (laughs) Oh, God. I remember one guy calling in and says, oh, I'm out standing in my driveway looking up. What am I looking at? <sighs> just just don't. You know, if you're going to be like that, you're just better off staying off the air, you know. Um, but I don't know. You have to applaud them for wanting to assist, right? Not everyone's going to want to go out into nasty weather and see what's going on. Um, it takes a little bit of a curious mind, you know, someone willing to kind of risk, take a little bit of, uh, extra risk to go do some, some of this kind of stuff. So you kind of, you know, you have to applaud them for that. Um, 
unfortunately, there isn't a lot of coaching that goes on uh, in my area. There, aren't, there, there's only you know one or two people who are really good elmers. Um, most of it is just you're just thrown to the wolves, really. And then when you when you make a mistake, you're berated uh, over the air about it. And um, if you're not berated over the air about it, you're talked about to other hams uh, behind your back, which is fantastic. So. Anyway, um, maybe we'll do a, maybe I'll do an actual video on the Standing Wave channel about uh, Skywarn <coughs> stuff like that. It is you know, <coughs> excuse me, severe weather season uh, in my area, so you know, maybe we'll get some action. We can actually go out and do something live. It'd be kind of fun, right? So uh, anyway. Amateur radio, as far as emergency communications, not as relevant as it used to be. Um, does that mean, <clears throat> excuse me, does that mean amateur radio is dying? Of course not. It's just transitioning. I've said this hundreds of times. Um, amateur radio isn't dying. In fact, it, in, in my opinion, it's growing. Um, the difference is uh, it's transitioning. We're moving away from um, you know, the, the more traditional boat anchor kind of stuff to more, um, SDR based more computer based stuff. Um, there are a lot of hams, uh, that are into tracking, um, um, space satellites, you know, not just the amateur radio satellites, but actual, um, you know, NASA hardware. Um, there's one case where several, uh, amateur, excuse me, um, amateur astronomers, uh, or we're also amateur radio operators, uh, we're able to receive and decode telemetry from um, a Chinese spacecraft, a space probe, la attempting to land on the moon. Um, so they knew uh, that it had crashed on the surface of the moon well before uh, anybody ever announced it. So, I mean, the avenues are really endless in amateur radio where you want to go. Um, like I said, it, we're transitioning from you know, old money into new money, right? So, and there are, unfortunately, those people who resist change and resent it, and they look at it as, you know, they're being tossed aside, and this older equipment is just being tossed into the garbage, and that's unfortunate. Uh, and that's certainly not what's happening. Um, all of this this older equipment is, you know, it's, it's still perfectly serviceable, right? You can still use it. Um, you know, I have I have quite a few tube-driven transmitters and receivers myself. Um, do I use it every day? No, I've got a you know a much more efficient, more much more sensitive, higher power, uh, you know, uh, solid-state uh, transceiver for that. But I still occasionally like to pull out the tube-driven stuff just to just play with it. You know, it's fun. Um, you know, I'm <laughs> of course I'm still working on learning CW, so that's it's always fun and. You know, there was a long time where um, uh, everyone thought well, no one wants to learn CW. And that's, that, you know, Morse code is what I'm saying. CW, continuous wave, Morse code. Um, there's quite a few people. A lot of new hams are learning CW. Um, it's, a, it's a fantastic mode to operate in. It's a lot of fun. Um, and it seems like more and more, um, as newer people are getting into it, you're starting to see more and more um, educational things for CW come out. 
uh, more new ham friendly stuff coming out for CW. Um, you know, it used to be that there's a, and they're still out there, obviously, but the, the old crusty ham that, you know, uh, unless you're doing, you know, a thousand words a minute, you're nobody and you shouldn't even be on the air. You know, those people are still out there. Um, but then, you know, on the other side of it, there's the guys that, you know, if you can, if you can barely do five words a minute, it's fantastic. You know, you're out there, you're on the air, you're learning, right? That's great. It's absolutely great. We need more of that. So I think that's kind of the crux of the whole thing really is um, we need more Elmers. We need more uh, people in amateur radio who want to uh, assist with education and educating uh, the new hams that are coming into it. Don't just throw them to the wolves. Uh, along with that, uh, you know, these people who are doing the educating are at the same time learning new things, right? Getting into software-defined radio and um, digital modes and, you know, more computer-based uh, uh, amateur radio activities um, because that's what the new hams want to do, right? Um, so it's finding Elmers that want to learn the new stuff and want to pass on the new stuff and, um, you know, are embracing the change. So um, that's what we need. Uh, we need we need the passing of the torch, and uh, you know it's absolutely essential uh, for the survival of amateur radio that we pass that torch uh, on to the next generation of hams. So, hopefully, this wasn't too negative. I don't think it was. Maybe it was. I don't know. Anyway, this has been episode number eight, amateur nine one one of Reflected, a ham radio operator's miscellany. I also have a YouTube channel called Standing Wave. You can find it on YouTube if you search Standing Wave. On that channel, I have some stuff geared towards a new ham, you know, how to get into amateur radio, you know, how to make your decisions, where to go get for training. Uh, I'm also currently working on uh, a commercial radio series. Uh, how do you program, how do you set up and program uh, Motorola, equi Motorola equipment, for example. You know, I'm working on that. There's a XTL series on, on there right now, uh, which I'm expanding upon. I'm getting ready to, uh, next day or two, start the XTS series uh, of videos. So that should be fun. Um, it's just great stuff. It's great stuff. I encourage you to go check that out. Um, so, anyway, with that, my name is Alan. Uh, this has been Reflected. N0ZFG, out.